Hey, this is Greg Sanders. Thanks for listening today. It's our hope that this message will help you connect to God, grow in His Word, and serve the kingdom in a greater capacity. Thanks for listening and enjoy today's message. Well, today we're in a series called Not Home Yet. If you've ever, if you ever had to travel with kids, chances are you've said that statement to somebody that, hey, we're not, we're not, we're not there yet. We're not home yet. How many understand as Jesus followers, we're not home yet, right? There's an old gospel song that says, this world is not my home. I'm only passing through. It reminds us that our, our citizenship, we belong somewhere else, that we are constantly on a journey. And how many understand if you're on a journey, that means you're moving. If you're not moving, you're not on a journey. You're stuck is what that is. All right. And I don't want you to be stuck. I want you to be on a journey with the Lord. I want you growing in the Lord. I want to be growing in the Lord. And to help us grow in the Lord on this journey, we're going through the book of 1 Peter. And today's title, maybe sort of a different title, sort of a churchy sounding title, I understand. But today's title is simply Glory Days. How many of you ever heard the phrase Glory Days? Maybe you've thought, Hey, I personally had some glory days in my life. Maybe your glory days were when you had hair instead of a come over. (laughs) Glory days. Maybe, uh, you know, for me, glory days were those moments when I could tell my body to jump up and touch the realm of a basketball goal, and it complied. (laughs) Now I tell my body to jump up, and it says, no way. Those were the glory days. Or maybe, you know, you would tell your body to run a mile and it obeyed. Or you would tell your, to my, your mind to remember something and it remembered. Glory days. Maybe you're more spiritual than I am. Probably so. Maybe when you hear glory days, you think of a time when you heard the Lord's voice clearer than you do today. Maybe when you think of the term glory days, you think of a season when you acted on your faith quicker than you do today. Maybe when you think of glory days, you think of a season when you felt like your gifting was being used or even appreciated more than it is today. What if I told you that no matter your previous experience that according to God's Word, we are living in the glory days. Here's what, one thing, I've, I don't know what your glory, if you had to describe a certain part of your life as being the glory days, I'm not sure how you describe it, but here's what I know for me personally. When I think about those seasons that I would consider glory days, I didn't recognize the glory of those days in the season when I was living them. My glory days just seemed like normal days. And today, you may feel like your life is very normal, but what if what you're calling normal days are actually intended to be the glory days of your life? What if what God is doing right now is not something that's just ordinary, but what if God wants to do something extraordinary? What if He wants today to be the glory days of your life? And I believe He does. I think sometimes if you've been a Jesus follower like me for a long time, Sometimes we're convinced that glory days have to look a certain way, sound a certain way, feel a certain way. I believe if, if for us, 
long-time Jesus followers, if we're not careful, we can box God out. Or maybe we can box ourselves out of participating in what God is doing today. Because it doesn't look like, smell like, sound like it, we think it should. If you're a new Jesus follower, then you might be in the perfect spot to experience the glory days because you don't have these preconceived ideas. Either way, I would say this. Let's all jump in with both feet on what God might want to be doing in the days that we live. I believe that these can be and should be the glory days of the church. Listen to what First Peter talks to us about in chapter 1, verse number 10. It says, concerning this salvation, the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you searched intently and with the greatest care, trying to find out the time and the circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the, here's the word, and the glories that would follow. In other words, all of the Bible, I know you know this, but I'm going to say it anyway. Do you understand that all of the Old Testament is pointing to Jesus? It's pointing to His coming, it's pointing to His living, it's pointing to His crucifixion, and it's even coming to His resurrection. All of Scripture, all the prophecies of old are pointing to that event that we're going to celebrate in just a few weeks. And so when you read this Scripture, how, how they were pointing towards the predicted sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow, it's real easy to look at this Scripture and just think, well, the glories that would follow would simply be the resurrection of Jesus, period, end of sentence. But how many understand the resurrection of Jesus was simply an example, it was simply a, a first payment of the continual resurrection that God wants to do in you and me. See, you and I are, are, are containers of God continually pouring out His glory. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you. When they spoke of these things that have now been told to you by those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, even, here's a, here's a big verse, even angels long to look into these things. If you've got a real live Bible, you might want to underline it or highlight it in your, in your Bible app this morning. Even angels want to look into what God is doing today. Therefore, prepare your minds for action, be self-controlled, set your hope fully on the grace to be given to you when Jesus Christ is revealed. And as obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you once lived in ignorance. We're going to also look at a few more verses in that chapter, but let's just stop right there and pray and begin to dive in. Father, we love you. I thank you for every person in the room today, and even those that are watching online or perhaps listening weeks from now on a podcast. I'm thankful that the Word of God always works. It always does needed work. Sometimes I'm aware of the needed work that needs to happen. Sometimes I'm unaware. But the Word of God always works in us and through us. And I pray the Word of God will work today. Lord, help me not to speak my words, but the words of God alone. Help our ears, our hearts, our minds to hear and receive and respond so what the Spirit of God would want to say to us through your word today. And if there's freedom that's needed, let your word bring that freedom. If there's healing that is needed in someone's life today, let the word bring that healing. If there's 
apathy in someone's life today, let the Word of God stir them to action. And we'll give you thanks for it. Everybody in the room said amen. amen. We're not home yet. Tell your neighbor we're not home yet. That's the name of the series. It's also a nudge that First Peter reminds us of. Peter calls you and I names in the Bible. I know that it's not nice to call people names, but he does. He calls the people of God names. He calls them strangers. He calls them foreigners. He calls them aliens. And he's, he's calling us those names to remind us that we're not home yet. And if I were to sell you on the idea that heaven is going to be glorious, most of you would buy into that idea pretty quickly, right? How many believe heaven's going to be glorious? Right? I believe so. I could get pretty excited talking about how glorious heaven is going to be. How there's no need for the sun there because He will give light. Where there's no need for a gate there because it's always open 24-7. How there's no need of a temple there because the lion and the lamb, they are there. They are the temple. His presence is there. I can get excited about the glory of heaven, but I don't want you to miss the fact that God wants to dispense His glory in your life along the way to heaven. Amen? Along the way to heaven. There is an element of His glory. And, and some of you may think, well, Pastor, you know, glory sounds like such a churchy word. I'm not even sure what that means. So let me tell you a, a simple definition. It is simply honor from notable achievement. In other words, glory is just recognizing God's active activity in his active achievement. God wants, when I talk about the glory, glory days, God is wanting you in on what he's up to. That's what I mean by glory. He's wanting you participating in his active achievements, what he's accomplishing here on planet earth. See, these are not, glory days are not days of just getting by and survival. And I, I'm afraid that sometimes at the church we have this survival mentality. Let me just try to survive until, uh, you know, let me just get by. Let me just barely hang on. Let me just try to make it till I can make it until the end comes, whether I die or the rapture comes or whatever it is. Let me just survive and hopefully not get squashed until then. But no, the word says that the days between now and we see Jesus face to face, though they may be hard, they should be glorious. We should be participating in the work of God. We can look at the children of Israel for an example. I don't know if you got your notes in your hand, you're thinking, when's he going to get there? I'll get there in a minute. Think of the children of Israel. God called them out of Egypt and he told them, I'm going to give you a land. He gave them a promise of a land that's flowing with milk and honey. Glorious, right? Crops you didn't plant. Cities you didn't build, all these promises, glorious promises. But instead of taking them 11 days to get from Egypt to Canaan, it took them 40 years. And in that 40 years, there was a lot of mistakes made, a lot of funerals along the way, a lot of stuff that went by. But you can't read the book of Exodus with also, without admitting there was a whole lot of glory that went on on the journey, Right? I mean, they walked through the sea when it parted on both sides. There was a cloud by day and a fire by night. That's glory. God sent 
ravens to feed them, manna in the morning, gave them victory over armies that should have defeated them. There was glory on the way to glory. I want you to know this morning that God has glory for you on your way to glory. Are you picking up on what I'm putting down this morning? I want to hope I'm drawing the picture clear for you. The glory of God is available to us. And I'm praying, God, open our eyes to the opportunities, opportunity we have to participate today. See, and I just want to make another side note. The glory of God must not be limited to how it makes us feel, just how it may provide freedom for us personally, though I'm so thankful it does, or even how dramatically it's changed our lives. It must also flow through us to continue. We have called, been called to be channels. You know what a channel is? It's like a, it's a reservoir with openings on both sides. Things flow into you and flow, things flow out of you. That's the channel. We're supposed to be channel of God's glory. I, I really believe that what limits the glory of God most in a lot of people's lives is not our desire for us to be filled, but our willingness to be spilled. Uh, this isn't in my notes this morning, but I'll tell you anyway. I, I'm, I'm not sure how much of... I'm not sure how much of a prayer God's going to answer when people are simply praying, God, fill me, fill me, fill me, fill me, fill me. And we never pray, God, spill me, spill me, spill me, spill me. Pastor, that's the best preaching you've done all day. I appreciate it. Man, thank you so much for saying that. I mean, just, I, I was a little bit convicted this morning during song service when the worship team closed out that song that started talking about, Lord, I'll be a witness for you. Because honestly, we don't hear a whole lot of challenging things in our worship in the Lord that says, Lord, use me, spill me. We have a lot of prayers, God, fill me. Well, why do you want to be filled? Do you want to be filled so you can just feel good? Go get a massage. If you just want to feel good. Go back and read your Bible. The book of Acts doesn't say that on the day of Pentecost, those that were there were filled so they could feel good. It says they were filled so they could be His witnesses. The glory of God descends and rests upon those who are not just saying, God, fill me, fill me, fill me, but also say, God, spill me. And look for opportunities to be spilt for Him. So how can, none of that was in my notes, that's all free, so. How can I seize the glory days in which we live? That's the question I'm asking this morning. Number one is you have to believe you're living in the glory days. I said earlier, glory days never seem like glory days when you're living them. I'm sure 40 years <coughs> in the wilderness didn't seem like glory days for Moses or for Joshua for these guys who had been faithful to the Lord and, and received His promises, they knew the land was coming, they knew Canaan was coming, but all they knew in the moment was they were having to deal with people who were not really happy to be there. They're having to spend a lot of time getting places they thought they could be there in 11 days. How many ever discover that sometimes God's ways are longer than your ways? But the Word says, if you like timelines, that the prophets... 
We're eager to learn about the times of Christ's sufferings and the glories that follow. How many understand that we are on the backside of the sufferings of Christ and we're on the backside of the resurrection, which the Bible defines in that timeline that if you're on the other side of the resurrections, you're in the glory days. You're in the days that you can participate in everything the Old Testament prophets dreamed of. We're living in a day when the glory of God is available to us. And it can outshine our past. It can outweigh our pain. It can outlast our storm. Simply put, God is up to something. And if we choose, we can be in on it. And I want to be in on it. And look at what this line I pointed out to you a few minutes ago. This line in Scripture that says, Even the angels long to look into such things. Even the angels long. Does that verse catch anyone else's attention besides mine? Make you wonder, what, 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 are, what are the angels of heaven leaning over the stadium of heaven watching in your life? What are they watching for? What is it that they're longing to see? Obviously, they were longing to see the resurrection of Jesus. But you know what? They're also longing to see how the resurrection of Jesus is going to be applied to your life. They're wanting to see one of the most unpredictable things in the universe. You know what the most unpredictable thing in the universe is? Is how great God can work through an individual's life who surrendered to Him. There's no limitation. There's no exception. When someone surrenders their life to God, there's no, there's no telling what God may do through them. There's no telling what God may do for you. Well, Pastor, you don't understand me. I'm just normal. I'm just average. I have very limited ability. I have very limited everything. You are the perfect person. For God to show His glory. You've just got to come to the point where you admit, I am living in the glory days. I'm living in a day where God can do something spectacular through me. Well, Pastor, you understand, I'm, I'm in a really desperate situation physically. Do you know you can be the presentation of God's glory to people who are around you? Pastor, I don't have the ability I used to have. You can still be a presentation of the glory of God to those around you. There's never any predictable pattern how God may change your life or use you in the future. I think we need to have at least enough, at least as much curiosity about what God may do through our lives as the angels have about what God may do through our lives. Number two, realizing we're in the days of, of glory, the days that God is up to something. He says, therefore, in verse number 13, he says, therefore, since God is up to something, since we're living in the glory days, he says, therefore, prepare your mind for action. You know, your mindset is either helping you or hindering you from the glory of God being active in your life. He said, prepare your mind for, say this word with me, action. You ever watch a movie 
where they're making a movie about a movie. And they have that little checkerboard thing and they snap it and they say what? Action. And the minute they say action, you know, something's about to happen. The story's about to start. Someone's about to get in character. Someone's about to start doing something pre-planned by someone else. And when Peter says, prepare your mind for action. He doesn't say, prepare your mind for observance. Living for Jesus is not just watch and see. He doesn't say, now prepare your minds to stay the same. Don't prepare your minds just to sit there. Don't prepare your minds just for education. I love education, but how do we understand that Learning about the things of God can never be a substitute for doing things for God. Right? As a matter of fact, the more you know, the more responsible you are to do. I'm all for training, I'm all for know-how, but, but our minds, here's the thing, he says, prepare your minds for action because our minds have to be constantly transformed. Romans chapter 2, 12 Romans 12, verse 2, says, Don't conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but instead be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Right before service, I was handing Megan my iPad, and she almost really messed up. I mean, this service was almost over before it started because I gave it to her, and there's a little thing that popped up that said, this iPad is about to update, agree or disagree. And guess what she almost did? She almost hit agree because she's so agreeable. <laughs> and I said, no, 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 no. Don't hit agree because if you hit that button, y'all know what's about to happen, right? Your iPad is out of order for the next 12 hours. And then you're going to learn how to reuse it again if it still works. And so we hit decline. Did you know every day of your life, God is trying to do an update on you? He's trying to refresh your mind. And some of us keep hitting decline because we're so comfortable. Well, I know how to do what I'm doing now. But if we'll just go ahead and have, listen, because God's better than Apple, by the way. His updates always function properly and you never lose anything, right? He's the anti-apple. But he's, he's, he's not that other thing, by the way. But, but that's what transforming your mind, updating your mind, refreshing your mind. We, he says, set your minds for action. I want to I pour my glory into your life, but before I pour my glory into your life, before I use you in a way that you've never been used before, the first thing that's got to happen is you've got to change your way of thinking. Well, pastor, you, you don't understand. I'm such a good thinker. I know you are. But see, the way you and I think is if someone hits us, we're supposed to hit them back. When the Bible says, instead of hitting them back, pray for those who, right? Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who despitefully use you. That's different than how most of us think. So set your mind for action. It means I've got to do what Jesus says to do 
even if it doesn't make sense. And by the way, most of what Jesus tells us to do doesn't make sense in the moment that he says it. Jesus' very first miracle, talk about setting your minds for action. His mother Mary told those servants, they, they were at a wedding feast, they ran out of wine, it's about to be an embarrassment to the host, and Mary says, Jesus, do something about it. And Jesus says, not my time. Then she turns, she ignores Jesus. I typically suggest you not do that. But, but she turned to the servants and put Jesus right back in the middle of it. And she said, whatever he says, do it. I think there's two key words right there. Whatever he says, and do it. Did you say that out loud with me this morning? Whatever he says, do it. That's a mind shift right there. That takes an updated mind to say whatever he says, I'm going to do it. You know how you invite more of God's glory, more of God's activity in your life? Whatever he says, do it. That's what it means to prepare your minds for action. I'm preparing my mind that whatever he says, whether I understand it or not, And what did Jesus say to do? He said, go get some ceremonially unclean pots and put water in it and serve it to the master. Now, that makes no sense. That's a great way to get embarrassed, ridiculed, and thrown out. That that sounds like the perfect recipe to be a worse disaster than just running out in the first place. It makes no sense. But can I tell you, God has a habit of introducing His glory in our life in increasing manners in ways that you and I don't understand. Why? Because as high as the heavens are above the earth, that's how high His ways are above Greg's ways. But when I obey them, His glory comes in ways I've never tasted it before. And I don't know about you this morning, church. I'm ready to taste His glory like I've never tasted it before. So whatever He says, I'm going to do it. Sorry, I got a little excited. Number three, here's the one you've been waiting to shout on. How do I? Why? It's that reaction to that. That's the same reaction I had. Can prepare my mind, yes, but be self-controlled. Notice this command. Starts with one huge word. They just said, be. Didn't say try. It says be. If it said tried, I could feel better about it. But instead it said be. And most of the time when, when, when we hear this term, be self-controlled, we're like, oh, you know, exactly what you just did. When it showed on the screen. Ah, because we think... Self-control is too limiting, legalistic, it's too narrow. But you know what the opposite of self-control is? It's out of control. Out of control paints us pictures, word pictures like this, bondage, addiction. 
driven by the things of the world driven, instead of being driven by Jesus. Well, how do we, how do we, how do we, this is going to be horrible English, but how do we be self-controlled? Well, look at the very next thing. He said, set your hope fully on the grace that will be given to you when Christ is revealed. Did you know that your actions follow hope? I'll say it again. Your actions follow your hope. If I were to pick you up and blindfold you and drop you off in the middle of the forest on a path and say, now find your way home. You have no compass. You have no directions. You're walking down the path and all of a sudden the road splits, one to your left and one to your right. You know which direction you're going to go? The direction that you think your hope is. Well, I think this one, this one looks to go by which way I think is home according to the sun or the stars or whatever it is you can see. But your, your direction follows your hope. I want to tell you today, you can replay the last six months of your life. If you can replay that in front of yourself or in front of someone else, they could tell you where your hope is. Because our actions are a sure sign of where our hope is. James said like this, that your faith is not proven by what you say, but your faith is proven by what you do. Faith, James says, without action, it's dead. Our actions prove our faith. So, so how do I live a self-controlled life? And one, I have to make sure my hope is in Jesus. Number two, is I have to make sure I don't slip back into your old ways. That's the very next thing. He says, be self-controlled, set your hope on the Lord. And he says, don't slip back in your own ways, your old ways. Did you know that all of us have, how many would just admit, I've got some old ways that God has set me free from? Amen. Thank God. I know I do. Can I take a time out? to say something not spiritual at all? Good, because I'm going to. Work day is next Saturday. We're going to get a head start this afternoon. If anyone's free, meet Roger in the balcony after service. at one. As soon as service is over, he'll tell you we're going to meet back at 1.30 today. Uh, so guys, if you're interested in helping us, that'd be great. I was supposed to say that earlier, but now we're going to say it now. How does my brain work? I don't know, but here we go. <laughs> don't slip back into your old ways. You ever, you, ever had a, you ever had a couple of magnets that are, they're really attracted to each other? The, the magnetic force is strong. And if you, if you pull them apart, there is, you, can, you can feel the, the attraction to go back together. But when you, the, the further you pull them apart, the less, at some point, it loses its attraction to one another. But when you bring them back to a certain distance from one another, the attraction comes back. Can I tell you, your old way of living and my old way of living are sort of the same way. God can set us free. Jesus can set us free. But many times, if we go tiptoeing back near what He set us free from, 
that magnetic attraction of sin and temptation can, can set you back to what you once were set free from. So one of the ways we can we practice self-control is we, we guard what Christ has placed in us. And then here's the last thing I'll say about self-control. He says, embrace his invitation to holiness. Now that word holiness, I understand, is unpopular today. It, it, sometimes holiness is attracted to a belief system. Well, you know, their holiness over there. And a lot of times when we think of holiness, we think of holiness as being outward stuff, right? The, the way we dress, places we go or we don't go, things we watch or we don't watch, you know, all these, all these outward stuff that can be seen. And obviously, all of us, the holiness of God in us is going to draw some lines somewhere. I mean, that's, that's, that's obvious. But, but holiness actually doesn't work from the outside in. Holiness works from the inside out. That's why Peter says, be holy as Jesus is holy. In the book of Isaiah, you find this, this, uh, this account between Isaiah and the Lord, and maybe if you want to come, it'll make people think I'm going to quit. <laughs> it'll, you'll find this, this, this instance when Isaiah was in the presence of the Lord, and you know, he's just there, and the Lord doesn't say anything about him. He didn't say, Isaiah, you know, you've been, you've been running your mouth, and you're, you've been using cuss words, and you've been saying stuff you shouldn't be saying. He, the Lord doesn't say anything to Isaiah. Isaiah just gets in the Lord's presence. And just being in the presence of the Lord, without anyone pointing out anything, Isaiah becomes keenly aware of his lack of holiness. And he says, Woe is me, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I have dwelt among unclean people. He began to say, Lord, what's on the inside of me is not right. So he begins to confess his sin before God. You know what happens when you begin to let the holiness of God speak to your heart and change your life? The holiness of God goes from him to you. The Bible says God's reaction was this. He, he told an angel, take a coal and touch his lips and cleanse him. He God cleansed Isaiah from what he couldn't be cleansed from. That's how holiness works. And Peter reminds us that holiness is always a response to the Lord. And the glory of God revealed in our life, it's, gonna, it's going to challenge, it's going to ask us, how much are we willing to let the Lord clean us up and purify us? Not so that we fit some man's mold of what we should be, but so God's presence is regarded as holy in our lives. Number four, here I quit. Some of these, some of these points today, I understand they're, they're foreign. They're foreign languages to the church today, but it just comes straight out of Scripture. Four, he says, practice. How, how, do I, how do I welcome the glory of God? How do I live in glory days? We have to live as strangers here in reverent fear. 
participating in glory days, it reminds us that He's God and I'm not. It, it, It reminds us that I'm going to give an account. And by the way, all of us in this room, we're going to stand before the Lord and give an account for every deed we've done, every word we've spoken, every opportunity we engaged, and every opportunity we passed on. We're going to stand before the Lord. I'm not going to read, Tom, I'm not going to read for Tom's sake today, but look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5. It, it, it reminds us of that. Matthew chapter 16, Jesus said, When he comes with all of his angels and all of his glory, he said that we will all stand before him and we will all give an account of what we've done. Sometimes I wonder, are we limiting what God is doing in us personally because we have lost our fear of the Lord? And I understand when when I was a kid, which wasn't as long ago as some of you think it was, we... We kind of preached, I think maybe we went the other side. I mean, if you, if you burped the wrong way, you're probably going to hell. I mean, just everything. If it felt good, it was a sin. Like, we were just, we were just super hyper about the fear of God. I mean, I, I really, no one told me this, but I was really pretty sure that God was in heaven just with his lightning bolt waiting for me to mess up so he could go, Zzz! I mean, that's, that was my view of God. But sometimes I wonder, have we, now we've, found ourselves in this other ditch and our view of God is well he's just like a grandpa he just looks over everything he would never hold you accountable he'd just give you stuff that your parents wouldn't give you and that's by the way that's not it says we're going to live in reverent fear not not scared to death but also not not thinking that we're always walking around with a hall pass to do what we want to with. We have to realize that we're going to give an account of what we're doing. You know, when I, if you were to sneak in my office, you'd be disappointed with anything exciting I'm sure you would find. But one thing you could find is, is when I'm writing sermons, I usually, my sermons usually start weeks ahead of time. They usually start on some note tablet pieces of paper and I just kind of jot things down. I'm reading, praying, and write some things. And, and I just kind of write it as the Lord gives it to me. And, and sometimes that takes hours, weeks, sometimes it, whatever. But if you were to find one of those pieces of paper, it would be of no value to you. I don't try to spell correctly. You would see words that aren't words. You would see things like NT, which means New Testament, OT, Old Testament, HS, Holy Spirit, AT, the book of Acts. J.A., the book of James, like all this stuff, it would make no sense to you. And all I'm going to do is I'm just writing stuff to kind of jog my memory so when I get ready to write a sermon a week from now or two weeks from now, whatever, I remember what I'm just trying to, it would help you not at all. However, if if, if you were to say, hey, pastor, can I have a copy of this morning's sermon? My answer is probably going to be say, yeah, I'll send it to you this afternoon. Because now I'm going to go back, and even though my sermon is, is pretty coherent right now, there's still some things I'm going to change before someone else's eyes see it. That makes sense? There's a difference between knowing things where you kind of see my eyes and someone else's eyes. Sometimes we live our lives like, well, our life it just has to make sense to us. That's all. No, 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 no. Our whole life is living before God, and it better make sense to Him. That's what it means to live 
and reverent fear because we want more of God's glory in our life. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? Father, I pray that the prayer of each person in this room is that we want more of your glory, which simply means more of your accomplishment, more, more of your activity in our life. That's what we want, more of your activity in our life. Lord, that first off, that first of all starts when we start following you, when we say no to our ways and yes to Jesus' ways. And I pray today if there's a person there that if they've never become a Christ follower, they've never invited you to be their leader and their Savior and their Lord, they've never said, God, I need you. I need you to cleanse me. I need you to, to forgive me. From this day on, I'm going to live for you. God, if there's a person there, they've never, they've never chosen to follow you. I pray that today would be their day to start following Jesus. And the moment they do that, Lord, they're signing up for a life of glory. Lord, you said in John 10, it's a life, a life to the full, a life abundant. God, I pray today if there's someone that needs to make that choice, they will do so right now. With every head bowed, every eye closed, say, Pastor, the Lord is speaking to me today. You, you can't really explain it. You don't know a whole lot about church, or maybe you do or you, you don't, but you just know right now there's a tugging on your heart, and you know you're far from God, but you need to become near to God, and you want to make that choice today. Would you just lift a hand real quick? So that's me, Pastor. Pray for me. I'm scanning the balcony, scanning the floor. Amen? Amen. A couple of hands. Who else today? Amen. In just a minute, I'm going to say a prayer. If you lift your hand, if you'll say this prayer with me, the whole church is going to say it out loud. And if you'll say that prayer and you'll mean it in your heart, it will change everything. Praying a prayer, repeating a prayer never changed anything, but saying a prayer from your heart can change everything. And this could be, this could be a change everything moment. We're going to pray for you in just a moment. But for, for the rest of us that are Jesus followers already, I hope that there's nothing that has happened to you, in you, or around you that has suffocated your hunger for more of God's glory in your life. And if so, I hope that today, somehow the Spirit of God has just stirred your heart to believe again that these can be the glory days of your life. Lord, awaken us to the glory days we're living in. God, I pray that over every believer in the room today. If that's you today. Your eyes have been closed. Maybe your heart's been hardened. You just, I'm not going to ask you to identify yourself. I'm just going to ask you just, just to take it to the Lord this morning and pray. Say, God, forgive me. Forgive me for limiting you by excluding me or my situation from someone or something you can work through. Work through me. God, work through me if I'm just starting out. Work, work, for me. work through me if I'm in this thing for decades, Lord. Work through me if I feel like a failure. Work through me if I feel like a success. God, work through me. Work through us, Father. Would you stand with me all across this room today? We want to say a prayer of salvation today for those who lifted their hands. And I would do when I ask everyone in the room to say this prayer with us out loud. It could be someone standing in front of you or behind you and your voice Repeating this prayer could just be the encouragement they need to really internalize it. So let's pray together. Dear Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for living a perfect life, dying a sacrificial death, and rising again on the third day. So that I, though I'm far from God, can be made near to God. Lord, I believe.
you're the Son of God. I believe you're the one and the only one who can forgive me of my sins, free me from my past, and give me a brand new future. I accept your forgiveness today. Lead me, Lord, and I will follow. Forgive me of my past because my future belongs to you. I'm going to follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you give the Lord a hand clap with those who are coming to the Lord today? Father, we love you. We love you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Now listen, if you said that prayer for the first time and you're wondering, what do I do now? Stop by the Connect Center. There's a book we love to give you called Your First 30 Days. Besides that, find a church that teaches the Bible. We'd love for it to be here. Number two, you need to begin exploring what it means to live for Jesus through water baptism. Hey, God bless you. Hello, this is Greg Sanders, pastor of the Assembly here in Cabot. I want to say thanks for listening today. If you are ever in the Cabot area, we'd love to have you join us for a service. For service times, check out our webpage at theassemblycabot.com. Thanks again for listening. We hope you have a great day and God bless.